Welcome to the Palmetto Street Church of God message podcast. We pray that you are inspired by today's message, and we hope that you share and subscribe to this podcast so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth and reach many people in our world today. Enjoy the message. After the storm in verse 20, chapter 28, the Bible said, Luke recording, in a very matter-of-fact way, he said, now when the, they had escaped, the NLT says, when they had been found safe. Safe from what? Safe from the storm. The storm destroyed the boat and now they're floating. Those that can swim are the first wave and the second wave comes with those floating on boards. Nevertheless, they're all safe out of the commandment and the prophecy that Paul said, all those that stay in the boat should not perish. 14 days in the storm. Now they reach land and they found that there was an island called Malta. Some call it Malita, but I call it Malta. Heavenly Father, we have been surviving the storm this summer. And I've talked about what to do when the storm is raging. I've talked about how to maintain your vessel and refresh other people as you're being refreshed in the storm. I, I preached about not my storm and involving ourselves in storms. But today I want to preach about what to do after the storm. When the storm is over, the recovery process. Do we stay where we're at? Do we move forward in life? For those people, God, who the storm was too much and they've not recovered yet and they've wasted years of their life, today, God, I like to push them forward because you've got a work for them to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jessica and I were pastoring our first church together in Columbia. I'll never forget it. We received word that a storm was coming our way, a storm like we just seen in Kentucky. And by the way, we are sending money this week to Kentucky to help our brothers and sisters. A lot of our churches are total loss, and most did not have flood insurance being in the mountain areas, but we're going to help our churches in Kentucky. We were pastoring in Columbia, and word got that a flood was coming, and we thought nothing of it, to be honest. It's Columbia, South Carolina. Who would ever think that a flood would overtake Columbia? One of my associate pastors was very high up in the National Guard, and he called me, he said, Pastor, if I tell you that you need to fly south for the winter, that means I want you to get in your truck with your family, and I want you to go south from Columbia. If I tell you that you need to fly north, that means I want you to get in your vehicle, and I want you to go north from Columbia. And it was at that very moment that I realized something's going on, something bigger than what I can understand and day by day happened in Columbia, and the rivers continued to rise. And all of a sudden, in Columbia, South Carolina, the rivers burst forth. And the next thing you know, it did not matter what side of the town you were located on. It did not matter if you were in a high area gated by a fence or you were in a low-income area, a government area. Some would say the storm didn't care, neither did the flood, and neither did the rivers. And the next thing you know, as a pastor, we were thrust right into the middle of a storm and what to do after that storm was over. When the storm stopped and the waters were flooding through Columbia, on the lower side of Columbia, we began to inspect that side because somehow our church became the hub city or the hub church to flow out to meet the needs of community. And we were fine with that. That's who we are. That's who we were. And at that very moment, God began to do the miraculous as we would go from, from suburb or, or from a, a community to community, there were X's on doors in Columbia, South Carolina, where people did not make it because they drowned in the storm. 
But there was other side of that. There are people that, that came from that, but they lost everything, and the destruction was great. And God used us, used us miraculously. I'll never forget one time that Andy Jones, who owns a car dealership in Augusta, he drove from Augusta to our little church there and said to us, we hear that you're doing a great work after this storm. We want to help you. And he wrote me a $10,000 check. He said, you go and whatever you need, I'll back you on it. We had a Lutheran church all the way in, in Hilton Head said, we've been praying. We've been praying. Now, we got a bunch of Lutherans in our church now. And to our Lutherans, guess what? Lutherans do pray. Amen? Amen. My Lutherans got that. Nobody else did. That's okay. And they drove up right on time and said, the Lord told us to bring you a truck of water. USC graduate, businessman out of Florida brought us a truck. And it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. miracle. And the storm was over, but there are many problems to navigate through. I want to preach to somebody today that spiritually, emotionally, or physically, you feel the same way. The storm is over, but the destruction has been great in your life. You lost some things. Something perished around you, some dreams, some desires, some destiny that you thought was there because a storm that you didn't see coming was so great, now you're in neutral or you might be in reverse. You've lost relationships, you've lost money, you lost spirituality, you lost your calling, you think. All that was going around you because a storm came into your life and you didn't understand that that storm is not the end of your life, it's part of your life, it's a process of your life. But if you've got breath in your body, if you've got breath in your body, that means God is not finished with you. I know the divorce was bad. I know the church hurt was bad. I know you were disappointed in somebody or something, but I want to say it loudly once again. If you have breath in your body, that means God is not finished with you. You need to pinch yourself and wake up and realize, I've been in this position too long. I'm getting up, and I'm going to let God do something amazing in the rest of my life. In Acts chapter 28, let me quickly, I, I got a lot to preach. In Acts 28, Paul was done with the storm. He is now coming over to this island. The first wave there are the swimmers. Those who can swim, they make their way to the island cold and battered and tired, weary and weak. The storm was 14 days, no sun, no light, and they were in this Eurachlodon storm. And now, though, because of the word of God and the protective hand of God, they make it to the seashore. First ones come in swimming, the others come in on boats, I mean, excuse me, on planks of wood where the boat had been broken up, 276 in all. But the good news is, verse one, please, the Bible lets us know that they made it. Look to your neighbor and say, I made it. Tell them, tell them, I need to know it. Now, you need to know it. Verse number one, the Bible said, now, when they had found that they had escaped, escaped what? The storm. The NLT said, when they had looked around and found themselves to be safe, have you ever been in a car wreck and you got finished with that wreck and you looked and you said, oh my goodness, praise be to the Lamb of God, I am still here. Anybody, there's been two car wrecks in my life that I should not have walked away from, but I looked and I said, God, I still have breath in my body, praise be to the Lamb of God. When Paul gets to this island, he looks around and realizes, praise be to God, we have been found safe from the storm. I come to preach to somebody, you thought the storm was going to kill you, but I come to let you know it's not over yet. You've made it through the storm. You need to get up in the name of Jesus Christ and realize that God is not finished with you. I know you cried a lot. 
I know you had to pray and fast. I know you lost some things along the way, but the good news is you made it. You made it through the hurt. You made it through the pain. You made it through your childhood. You made it through your teenage years. You made it through some people that walked out of your life because they didn't see the value or maybe they were so hurt themselves that they couldn't love you the right way. But the good news is, honey child, you made it through all that of your life and now you're here at Palmetto Street where God can do something in your life. I'm going to preach this thing down twice today if I have to. You made it. Point number one, you need to reflect about what you have in your life. When a storm is over like Hugo, we did three things. First of all, you survey the damage. You look around and realize at that time, Brother Rodney, we live so far out in the country. Now, the country's not changed. It's just that the internet has finally got to where we live at after 500 years, you understand? At that time, the first thing we realized, we had to have an antenna so tall to get four channels. Without the antenna, we could only get two channels. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 13, 15, nine, and 36. <laughs> the antenna was hanging on the side of the house. Oak trees that we never thought would be uprooted. Hugo picked them up and broke them like a toothpick. All around us, we begin to look and realize this is going to take a a while to recover. But as my good-looking mama would say, but baby, we're still alive. God kept us in the storm. The first thing you do, you survey the damage. The second thing you do, you count the cost. That means you look around and realize we lost some things, but we didn't lose what's important, and we didn't lose everything. God was good to us as they sung a while ago, and God spared us through the storm, praise be to the Lamb of God who's able to keep us in the storm. And then three, you always give God praise for bringing you through what you get get through yourself. Never stay around people who are so prideful that when they come through the storm, they start bragging about what they did. If they could get themselves to the storm, child, that wasn't a storm. That was a rain cloud. But there's some storms that are coming in your life that you'll realize that I can't get myself through this. Oh, but I serve a God who can. I serve a God who knows how. I serve a God that'll make a way out of no way. I serve a God that'll put me on Noah's boat. It might be rocky. I might not get nobody to bring me some Diet Coke. But baby, I'm coming out. I'm not going to drown like somebody else. Mm-hmm. You might have to lay up beside an elephant, but baby, we're going to make it out on the other side. You understand? Nobody listen today? The Bible said that they made it safe. Remember, the storm around you doesn't have to be the storm in you. I come to preach to some people, you made it through the storm, but you don't know you made it through the storm because you've not moved forward yet. You got hurt in church 84 years ago, and now you don't trust anybody because you got hurt 84 years ago. 84 years of your life, somebody was a hypocrite, and now you don't trust no preacher. Well, good. Don't trust any preacher. But how about trust Jesus? Somebody broke up with you in the kindergarten class by the monkey bars, and now you hadn't dated nobody in 74 years, and you will know why you're lonely. Well, brother, God hadn't sent me the right person. Yeah, he did, 72 years ago, but you didn't believe. Right? You're stuck. You're stuck right there. The storm's over, but it's not over in you. Childhood trauma, and I'm not minimizing that. Brokenness to a divorce. Left because somebody walked out of your life. Those things can scar people. But if you're not careful, you'll float to land and realize that's as good as it's going to get. I made it through, 
but there's nothing else for my life. I come and preach to somebody. The storm's over, but now it's time for you to recover from that storm. You might look different. It might sound different. You might have to drive something different. You might have to live in something different. You're going to worship different because it's going to mark you. But nevertheless, you still got breath in your body. The storm is over. Reflect on what you have and realize I made it. He kept me. Praise me to the Lamb of God. Now, God, what else you got for my life? Some people can't move because people walk out of their life. So they sit right there waiting on for those people to come back. Those people are not coming back. They walked out of you. They're not coming back. Quit waiting on people to come back. If they come back, praise God. But if they don't come back, I'm not going to sit in Lodabar waiting on you to come back. I'm going to hold on to the hand of the Holy Ghost and you can find me in the will of God somewhere down by the roadside. I'm preaching to somebody. Don't quit here. Cast that thought out. Don't get caught up in nostalgia. Oh, Brother Nolan, that boat was so wonderful. My daddy made that boat. That boat has got my initials carved in it. N-N, loves J-S. Oh, I can't move forward. I got my first kiss with Jessica on that boat right there. <laughs> Y'all know that's a lie. That's a lie. She and I, we get in a John boat. We scared that thing going to turn over. You understand that? Praise God. Kiss me. No, don't move. That's what you get. Be still. I'm too big. You know what I'm saying? Just stay right there. <laughs> Y'all quit. Y'all quit. Y'all, I'm trying to preach. Y'all quit. But don't we do that? Can't, 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 can't move it. <laughs> I'm going to preach. <laughs> Brother Nolan, we can't move the church forward. Because on that pew right there, that's where I received the Holy Ghost. And if you move that seat right there, it's just going to break my, my little body down. And, and you know what? I can't have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not confined to your little pew right there. The Holy Ghost is the third person of the Godhead that moved in Genesis chapter 1. And we think we can trap the Holy Ghost into the pew, a man's heart, or into a denomination. God is bigger than anything you ever dreamed of. Quit having all these moments that we just can't move. The storm is so great. We need to sit right here to Jesus come. You sit right here. I got something to do for the kingdom of God. You cry about what we lost. I'm going to get more. God's got more. God's got more. God's got more in Jesus' name. Don't let the enemy tell you it's over. God's got more. I got to hurry. Two, you got to refocus. You got to refocus. Reflect on what you have now. Get up and refocus. What happens in verse two? Now, I've got to go all the way to verse 28, so I'm going to do this quickly. You better buckle up. Y'all, you ready? Immediately, Paul goes to work. The same God that gave Paul prominence in the boat is the same God that raises him up quickly. He don't have 10 years of sitting in a seminary. The Bible lets us know that Paul gathers wood. You know the story. All Pentecostal preachers. We preach about the snake. We preach shaking it off. We shout, and then we go home. That's just the first miracle. That's it. The Bible lets us know that a snake jumps out the fire and bites his hand. Nobody's going to do any illustration of snakes. I promise you that. That's not this church. Somebody brings a snake out, I'm gone. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> snake bites, shakes his hand. They said he's a murderer, he's going to die. When he doesn't die, they said this man must be a man of God. And next thing you know, Paul now has this prominence to lead again. And then we stop right there. But why do we stop there? 
Next thing you know, the leader of the town calls by the name of Publius. He shows up, and the Bible lets us know that he believes. He brings his sick father, his father that's contagious. The storm didn't kill Paul. The snake didn't kill Paul. The fire didn't kill Paul. Now the sickness is not going to kill Paul. The Bible lets us know that Paul lays hands on this man, and the Bible said that this man was healed by the hand of Paul. Praise be to the Lamb of God. When that happens, next thing you know, other people start bringing their sick folk. Those sick folk come, and guess what? They get healed too. That's not too bad for a bad boat ride, is it? That's not too bad for a storm that you've been crying about. I can't make it. I won't never get over that. I, that hurt was too much. That preacher hurt me. That Neil Dolan hurt me. Get over that nonsense. Now this man's in a city-wide revival because God showed up. It gets better than that. Once the revival's done, now Paul's got to go on to his destiny. His destiny is to preach in Rome. But how is he going to get there? He's just a broke preacher with no boat, sitting around a fire, getting bit by a snake. That's all right. The Bible said that these people that received healing now gives him provision to get in a new boat to go over to finish what God to finish what God has started with him. God will raise up somebody on the wrong side of the track to help you. God will raise up somebody in New York to bring money down here to help us do the will of God. God wasn't finished with Paul. Paul was in the middle of the will of God. No boat, but plenty of God. I'd rather have plenty of God than a big boat. Oh, brother, I want to play it safe. I just want to wait till Jesus comes. Yeah, you're going to be the same one that gets mad when all these people jump in front of you in line and you're going to say, I should have been first getting into heaven. How do I know that? Because I watched you at Olive Garden. Praise God. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. God just needs willing people. Immediately, God begins to raise him up. Verse 11 through 15. After three months, he set sail again in an Alexandrian ship. What's funny this ship has the picture or the carving of two heads. There are two gods that belong to the world. And I can see Paul looking at those two heads thinking, you think you're in control of the sea. I just, I know the God who brought me through the storm of the sea. They go through Syracuse, uh, Regalum, Patalia, and then all the way to Rome. And it's where Rome, though, where Paul wants to find his ambition. Now, hear what I said. After the storm, you've got to refocus and reestablish. Paul could have stayed right there and cried for the rest of his life. How dare you, God, let me go through this. Quit blaming God for what you've gone through. Start praising God what he brought you through. That's good preaching. Not deep theology, but good preaching. Quit belly aching about what you've gone through. Others couldn't make it, but you've made it, and you're still serving God, and you got praise in your spirit. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time for you to do the will of God. Paul's now going to Rome to fulfill the purpose of God over his life. You've got to refocus and realize that God wants to do something amazing in you. Now watch this. Assignments can change, but purpose does not. Don't worry about the assignment as long as you have your purpose. The purpose was get to Rome. The assignment is a new boat with new people in a different direction. The assignment would have been better if they had wintered and then left, but they didn't listen to Paul. Nevertheless, the storm did not deter the purpose. It changed the immediate assignment, but it didn't keep him from his purpose. We've got it backwards in church. We cry about assignments and let go of purpose. Don't worry about the assignment. If God's got to use John Mark to bring revival, so be it. If God's got to let Brother Russell preach the gospel, so be it. 
If my assignment goes from preaching to praying, so be it. I'm not worried about how. I just want to get there in Jesus' name. Purpose is still on Paul. And the purpose was get to, to Rome to preach to Caesar. I come to let you know, the storm stripped you of some things, but it did not strip you of purpose. You still got purpose. If God told you when you were five that you're going to preach, you still got purpose. Brother, I just don't know what I'm going to do. The storm was so big and I had people walk out my life and somebody cussed me out at Walmart and, and somebody cut my tires and, and, and John Mark was mean to me on Facebook. You need to fire him right now. Uh, and, and I know God's called me to preach, but the storm was so much that I just, I think I'm going to listen to you preach the rest of your life. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get miserable. You're going to start thinking you can preach better than I can because you're called. You're going to start looking at things different. Then you're going to get bitter because God's going to raise up some new person and then you're going to say, I've been here 10 years. They've been here 10 months. Why did God raise them up? And see, you're going to get mad at them. Then you're going to get jealous. You're going to make up a rumor on me. You're going to quit this church. You're going to go to another church. They need you. They want your tithe dollars. They want to put you in position. They're going to put you in position real quickly. But then you're going to make them mad because you really don't want to preach. You just don't want nobody else doing your purpose because you're called to that purpose. Then you're going to make a mess at that church. They're going to get mad with you. That pastor's going to call me and say, can you take these heathen back and I'm going to say oh, no 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 brother they were led of the Lord they prayed in the Holy Ghost they spoke in tongues they saw 45 angels and really pastor the reason is that they don't want to do purpose they want to cry about it but they don't want to do it I need some people that want to do purpose I need some people that get up after the storm and say that was a bad storm but praise be to God I'm still here I got breath I got a calling I got a purpose brother Russell I can sing baby I'm going to sing for Jesus Jesus' name. Look to your neighbor and say purpose. Tell them purpose. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I got 11 minutes. Is that all right? Pastor, he doesn't look like I fall. You know, I went through the storm and everything's changed. Oh, my goodness. It's going to keep on changing. I, I saw a picture my wife posted of me when I was 16. And I saw a picture recently of me at 44. God help me in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Everything changes. But you got purpose. I got to hurry. Verse 16, Paul gets to Rome. Now he's going to fulfill his purpose. But when he gets to Rome, guess what? He's going into another storm. This time he gets a house, but he also gets a guard. And he's chained to that guard. He has purpose. But how can he fulfill his purpose? Because his purpose is to preach to everybody. But he can't fulfill his purpose because he's got a new storm and he's got a new family member. But this family member is of the Praetorian Guard. And for four times a day, six hours, every rotating, every six hours, a new person shows up in Paul's life and says, I'm here to watch you. He's not a murderer anymore. He's not a criminal as they think. He is a Holy Ghost-filled preacher telling Jew and Gentile, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they have him chained up now, house arrest, house arrest, chained up now, with a guard, and yet, how can he fulfill his purpose? Because the Bible said that even though Paul writing, where did he write this from? Rome. Paul said, even though that I may be in chains, the word of God is not chained, nor is the word of God bound. When we don't see him, he's still working. When we don't understand, he's still working. 
God was not finished with Paul. In fact, the last four years here of Paul's life, two years are in prison in Caesarea, two years in prison in Rome, I believe are the most impactful time of Paul's life. You could debate that with me. But I believe by number's sake of reach, it is the most impactful time of Paul's life. Why? Because there's, in his long incarceration, he has his greatest impact. The storm was not enough. The new storm is jail. But listen to me. His jail, which is a house, that house arrest is his new assignment, same purpose, but that house is no longer a house. That house becomes a pulpit. No matter where you go, the purpose of God is still on Neil Nola's life. I am a preacher. Even when I try to pretend that I'm not, I tried that one time. I was on an airplane flying and I didn't want to be a preacher that day. I was tired. Everybody's asking me something about scripture. I didn't want to talk word. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to be by myself. So they said to me, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> but, but somebody around me started talking theology and they started talking nonsense and I got one of those Holy Ghost I can't help it moments. It always comes out. Put yourself in a church, a schoolhouse, or a funeral house. Put yourself in Walmart or even Kmart when they had a blue light special. I don't care where you place a man with purpose. If a woman's got purpose, you can put them on a boat, in a synagogue, or in a jail. It don't matter. Purpose will always flow from a man and woman of God because they realize my life is bigger than flesh and bone. It's about purpose. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I got purpose inside of me. Chain me up. But his new congregation is no longer a synagogue. But for two years, every six hours, they rotate a new guard, another new guard, and then another new guard. And can you hear those guards leaving Paul's house? You don't want to go to that house. That man crazy. That man just pulled the Wesson all out in the kitchen and anointed my head with oil. What's wrong with that man? That man's talking about this Jesus, this Christ, this Son of God. He's talking about a Damascus road. He's talking about being blind. He's talking about hearing this Christ crucified. He told me he once was a murderer. But get this now, guard. Listen to me. This is how crazy this man is. The same people he killed are now the same people that's taking care of him. They are the same people that's sending him money. And now they call themselves family. How can you kill somebody and their family members still call you family? Because we belong to the family of God and Saul was no longer Saul. Saul's been dipped in the blood of Jesus Christ and Saul is now Paul. Can you hear those guards saying, this man's talking about raising the dead, being shipwrecked, being stoned at Lystra, back being beat open. This man's talking about being cast out of the city but every time he talks about these storms, he just told me he was on a boat for 14 days, got thrown off the boat like Gilligan, got bit by a snake, and then shook the snake off, and now he finds himself here. This man is crazy. But there's something about this man. Because when he talks about that Jesus, 
There's something about that Jesus that he talks about. Don't you understand? This is not house arrest. This is nothing but a new congregation that's rotating every six hours coming in. Brother Nolan, you can't prove that. Oh, yes, I can. Because in the book of Philippians, Paul says to them, where? From Rome, writing. He said, I want you to tell everybody hello in chapter four. And he said, would you please greet those, especially of the household of Caesar, who are my brothers? the gospels invading Caesar's household, not from a missionary journey, but a man who has purpose in a jail cell. I don't care where you get to in this life, if you just realize you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and you've got purpose, they can put you on a ball field and you'll still be a man of God. They'll put you in a deer stand and it'll still come out. They'll put you in a hospital. You could be on a cruise boat trying to hide out like Jonah, but God will find you on a cruise boat. You understand what I'm saying? You can't outrun purpose. Give me somebody with purpose. Give me a woman with purpose. Give me a man with purpose. Give me a 98-year-old woman with purpose and we'll turn this church upside down. It's not about the storm. It's what's after the storm with a person with purpose. Short-term immediate, I'm closing. Impact is the guards to the Jews. I got five minutes. Get ready. Singers, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Oh, you know why I do that, don't you? Because in your mind, you see me closing, but really, I'm not closing. I'm just getting, I, I'm buying time. I'm buying time. I'm buying time. Somebody just thought, oh, yeah, he closed. He got singers up there now. Oh, no, I'm just buying time. Listen, 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 listen. And he starts preaching to the Jews. He invites the Jews to Rome. I, I wouldn't invite the Gentiles, it'd been me. But he invites the Jews and he says, Listen, you guys tried me because of who I said I belonged to. And then you took me before the Romans and they said I was innocent. So then I appealed to Caesar. And when I appealed to Caesar, I knew I had to stand before Rome because Rome is the most powerful city in the face of the empire and he's the most powerful man. But you gotta understand, I got purpose and my purpose is to declare to him and to declare to all that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is from this jail cell that he would write, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is bound, but the word of God is not bound. Are you listening to me today? Now, only watch this. So not only does he tell them that I'm innocent, he then jabs them. He said, and by the way, I've not changed my message. You were upset with me as Jewish people because I preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says in Acts 28, I want you to know I have not changed my mind. He is still the Messiah. He has come, and now he's at the right hand side of God. Look to your neighbor and say, I've not changed my mind. Oh, good gracious. After 24 years, let me, can I testify just for a moment? I have not changed my mind. It's still Jesus today. It was Jesus then, and it'll be Jesus tomorrow. I don't need a fix. I got faith. I, I, I don't need you to rub on me. I got the Holy Ghost that lives inside of me. I don't need to hear your gossip story because I got a revelation story. Oh, up inside my bones. Don't you understand? It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He told them, he said, I have not stopped preaching Jesus. It's cost me some things, but I want you to know today, I still preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Don't mind him. He's just from New York. Don't mind him. Don't mind him. I feel the same way, Brother Gil. It's Jesus Christ. Paul said, I've not changed my mind. I've been through some fire. I've been through some storms. 
folks. I've been up some mountains and down the other side of it. But I will tell you, after 24 years, he's just as good today as he was back then. Oh, good God in heaven. <laughs> he has been so good to me. I wish I could take you back about 14 years ago when my little boy was in my arms and the Holy Ghost showed up in my life and said, I told you what I'll do in your life and I have not lied to you. The same God that brought me through that is the same God that's here today in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost. Oh, Russell, don't get me going. Stay with me, Russell. Is this all right? Oh, I know what somebody just said. I didn't know that this was this type of church. Oh, it's this, it's this type. Yeah, it is. It is. If you want to sleep, we're not you. We're not you. I, I, I didn't sign up for religion. I, I didn't come to church to go to sleep. Uh-uh. No, sir. That's not, that, we, we, we that type. You need to know that up front. But we the same type that'll show up in your house and anoint your, your door with oil. We the same type that'll come to your hospital and pray that God will heal you. We the same type that'll show up when your child gets in a car right and say, he's still a healer, he's still a healer. We the same type that when you make a mistake, we'll say he's still a forgiver. We'll show up and not kick you out. You're not gonna hurt our reputation. Our reputation died at Calvary. Praise be to God. Let me cause. And so now the Jews, the Bible said that half of them believe, or some of them believe, and some did not. This man has purpose. He's preaching in a house church. The guards are being, the guards are hearing the word of God, taking it back. And also Jewish people are being saved in prison. Won't he do it? And you still sitting on the seashore, crying over a boat. God, I would serve you. That was my favorite boat. That was my favorite church. That was my favorite song. That was my favorite preacher. God, that person walked down my life. I can't serve you without them. Who told you that? There have been many people in my life helped me get here. And then they walk out. That's okay. They're not, some are not meant to stay. But he's been faithful through it all. Watch this, I close. That was short-term impact. Here's the long-term impact. Do you realize from what we understand I know three, but they believe four. Do you realize what Paul does for two years now? Paul gets a pen and he starts to write. Do you know what he writes? He writes the book of Ephesians to the church of Ephesus. And he writes this in chapter 3, verse 20. Unto him who's able to do it seemingly, abundantly, above all that I can even ask or think. Where does he write that from? Jail. Do you understand why now I believe that the greatest influence his life is in these last four years? It's because you think he's bound. He's not bound, he's free. Because he's gonna write letters to churches that we still preach today. In Ephesians, it talks about, put on the whole armor of God. In Ephesians, it talks about how to have a godly marriage. In Ephesians, get this. That we, not, we shouldn't let the sun go down in our wrath, right? In Ephesians, it talks about my position in God. In Ephesians, it talks about imitating Christ. In Ephesians, it talks about my position in Christ. In Ephesians. He writes to the church at Philippi here from this place. The church at Philippi is a personal letter. He writes to him, don't be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Where's he writing that from? Jail. 
and you thought the storm was going to kill you, so you stayed right there on the seashore. Paul's in another storm. He's tied up, but guess what? He's not bound. His flesh is bound, but his purpose is alive. Ephesians 4, 22. <laughs> Let me quit. Let me Flip, oh, flip his, maintain your joy. Keep your peace. You're asked to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Now that you have received Christ Jesus the Lord and you are rooted in him and established, keep walking in your most holy faith. Chapter 3 of Colossians. Set your eyes on things above, heavenly things, not earthly things. Where does he write all that from? It's where he thinks in Rome. Beautiful. Colossians is the sufficiency of Christ. And then my favorite book, Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it, my favorite book of all in the New Testament, he writes this from this position. What is that book about? It is about a runaway slave. Where does he meet Paul? We think in Rome. Because Rome at that time had two million people. Half the population was slaves. Slaves. He meets Paul. What happens somehow through his preaching in a house church? Paul does what? Leads him to the Lord. But Paul does something that amazes us. Paul doesn't say, you're free now. Paul sends him back. But watch what Paul does. Paul writes to his slave owner, all those people that talk about the gospel doesn't deal with social issues. No, you don't read the gospel. Paul says, I send him back to you because it's the lawful thing to do. But I want you to understand, I send him not back as a slave. What does it say? I send him back as a brother, accepted in the family of God. The slave doesn't go back as a slave. The slave goes back from being chained to sitting at the table with the family of God. Preach that. He did. And where does all this take place? Right here. In the last two verses of Acts 28. Stand with me, please, all over the house. Number three, retail. Acts 28 closes with no benediction. There's no benediction. It just ends. You want to know why, in my opinion? Because it is not over. I don't believe Acts is over. I believe Acts is alive. I believe, Madeline, you're Acts 29. You're Acts 30. You're Acts 31. Preacher, you're saying we should write more of the Word of God. No, 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 no. I'm saying you have a call, and 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 you have a call. And now, go do your call. Go do your purpose. Don't let any storm stop you. You'll go out, and then Madeline's going to write back to us and say, guess what God did to, through me today at school? And John Moore hanging out at the nursing home. He's going to write to somebody and say, guess what God did with me there? And there's somebody else at their job. and somebody else somewhere else. Why? Because it's still being written because God has purpose for our people. The storm wasn't meant to kill us. We recover after the storm and go do the will of the Father. The benediction is not there because it's not over. Because we got a work to do in Jesus' name. Amen? Would you put that last verse up in 28? Let me read it, and I'll close. Has this been all right? Mm. Preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and no one forbidding him. That's it. That's what Paul was doing. Brother Lord, I can't serve God. I went through something. The reason you can serve God is because you went through something. 
recover now. The storm is over. Take inventory. See what you lost. Refocus. And now retell your story. That's all Paul was doing. Was telling the story of Jesus Christ. How do I know? Because verse 1 said, we have arrived Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to follow us on our social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, visit us at pscog.org. Stay safe and have an incredible day in Jesus' name.